0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Expediters Podcast, where we look at the logistics and freight forwarding industry through the lens of a global logistics provider. I'm your host, Chris Parker, and today we are talking about visibility software as a service, or SaaS. How have visibility offerings changed over the years, and what can one achieve by using this kind of technology? We'll also discuss how whomever owns a mix of the people, processes, or technologies in your organization's supply chain can determine its level of efficiency and resiliency, So, to get a little sassy with me today is our Senior Vice President of Order Management, Michelle Weaver. Michelle, welcome back to the podcast.
1: Thank you, Chris. I'm excited to be here today.
0: And I'm excited to have you over. I'm sorry about that sass line. That was really, really cheesy.
1: Well, if you hadn't said it, I probably would have.
0: Well, Michelle, it's been a couple of years, I think since 2020, that we last had you here. I wanted to know what's changed for you. What's been going on in your world the last couple of years? What's your day to day like?
1: Well, I'll tell you, we're in a much different market now than we were back in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. So uh, <laughs> my t- my days have changed quite a bit. Uh, you know, if I go back to um, 2020 in the beginning of the pandemic, you know, um, we kind of had two, there were two categories of customers. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of our customers pumped the brakes on new orders with suppliers. Uh, They just put a hard stop. They were like, stop ordering. We don't know what's happening. Nothing can move anyway. Shut it all down. You know, as the world kind of shut down. However, there were, there was a sub or a niche of the market that did exactly the opposite. Um, They were, you know, some of the the lower price retailers as opposed to the luxury good retailers. They Mm were, Lower price retailers, home improvement companies, healthcare companies, they took the the brakes totally off and could not order fast enough or ship fast enough. Um, So orders shot up for some with a hard stop for others. But then a few months into the pandemic, as we all know, um, we were all sitting at home shopping online.
0: And Mm -hmm.
1: I may have contributed to that.
0: Guilty as charged,
1: yeah. (laughs) um, so orders came back very, very sharply. It was mm-hmm. the it was the um, largest drop of demand, followed by the highest spike in demand in the history of the industry. Uh, and suppliers just could not respond quickly enough, and neither could carriers. Frankly, they had mm-hmm. pulled capacity out of the market, and they were scrambling to get it back in. Um, so during that time, customers felt that they lost visibility, and they just needed t- to ship something like they'd open these orders from their suppliers to say ship me whatever you have and then they'd try like crazy to make sure they could get space um, on ships or in planes but it was very very difficult to get space and then when they finally were able to get space it would make it over to the us or over to europe where it would just sit um, because they couldn't get those vessels berthed and unloaded and the the ships worked Um, and so the customers felt that they lost visibility and they lost control over what was going on. Um, And so I think as they've come out of the pandemic, they have been very focused on making sure that that never happens again, that they they maintain their visibility, they maintain their control. um, And if they need to write a big check to do that, then so be it. They just they don't ever want to live through that again. one of the things that has occurred to me as I've watched so many companies go through this process is I don't know that they really did lose visibility, they just lost accessibility, right? They they lost that control. I mean, every customer has their own story to tell and, and their own perspective, absolutely. But a lot of the, the steps I see companies taking now is to solve a visibility issue um, when I think They could see where their cargo was. It was just stuck on a ship. They just Mm -hmm. couldn't get it to where they needed it to be.
0: So today with this trend of, you know, seeing customers seeking out visibility tools, uh, what are the problems that they're hoping to solve now? Do they have control back or is it still just outside of their grasp?
1: So one of the things that we've seen an uptick in or a trend in the market is customers buying a lot of these SaaS offerings um to hopefully they're trying to solve two problems right the visibility issue and also the carrier uh independent issue Mm -hmm. Uh, don't want to feel boxed in again like i said they felt um very frustrated that they couldn't get the space they needed when they needed it at the rates they had contracted it for and so uh they want to make sure that whatever tool they're using is neutral carrier neutral and so we've seen an uptick in these sas purchases mm-hmm. and the thing that's interesting about the SaaS purchases is that it's just technology it's not people and it's not process it's just technology and mm-hmm. so when the customer buys a SaaS tool they still have to backfill those other two needs of people and process and so the customer either needs to pony up the people to chase the data uh, that's missing, or is late, or is incorrect. Fill those gaps. Fill that hole, and that's pretty tough to do um, from a desk in one location, right? When you're chasing suppliers all over the globe, or you know, all different kinds of carriers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's that's something that many companies don't necessarily see coming, and it's a bit of a surprise to them once they implement that program. Um, the other part of that is, is that if you're going to use a SaaS tool, uh, you know, as with, it, as with any so- technology or software, the data has to be in a specific format. That come in, it's got to usually come in a specific order. Um, it, it's got to be very, very standard. And if data were that easy and that standard, a lot of us wouldn't have jobs. <laughs> <in the laughs> so um, it's. <laughs> It's a big ask of a piece of technology to solve all of those issues.
0: Sure. But Uh, all the carriers and the forwarders, you know, everyone uses a standard format of, uh, of, you know, relating this information, right? So it's, it's just really clean and easy to do.
1: (laughs) No, they don't. (laughs) No, it's not. Yeah. That's exactly the problem. So, um, so as we've seen this big uptick in customers pursuing, um, there solutions with a SaaS program. Mm-hmm. They tend to be very, very expensive uh, programs, both in hard and soft costs. Um, you know, customers have to provide the people to start doing all the work to chase all the data uh, because the SaaS providers don't have any people. They just have the technology. And not only do they not have people in one location, they don't have them in any location, right? And you... In order to have your best chance at getting clear and complete and timely data, you need to have people close to the source of the data. In other words, close to your suppliers, close to your carriers. Mm -hmm. Um, So they're very expensive programs. Um, They generally take a long time to implement because you've got to get all your carriers and your, your supply chain partners integrated with them. And... They rarely actually end up solving the problem so um yes they're carrier neutral but that doesn't do you any good if the data isn't there for you to see right so we're already starting to see customers leave those solutions after they put all this time and effort and money into launching them so it's it's tough it's tough for the customer it's tough for all their partners um, that have been working on integrating with those SaaS offerings and the customer still doesn't end up with their the problem being solved.
0: So people process technology, it's a, I see, I feel like in a number of ads that I, that I see, you know, I, I can see any tech company talking about people process and technology. You know, we as a forwarder also talk about people process and technology. It's kind of a, it's, it feels cliche. It you're saying that there's a lot more to this. This isn't just some nice slogan. Uh, The the configuration of who owns what or who is responsible for the process, the people or the technology can really change the makeup of a way a company can succeed with its supply chain.
1: Yeah, I I mean, honestly, every time you see a presentation on supply chain, it shows this nice linear progression. Right. So (laughs) order, you know, source, order, make, book, move, clear, deliver, report. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. And the reality is, supply chains are not linear. They're right. like cobwebs or spider webs, right? They're multifaceted, um, they're multidimensional. And you really do, although people, process, and technology sounds very cliche, um, it is absolutely true. And you need all three of those working in your favor in order to have the best chance of success in having a well-managed, highly-functioning supply chain. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting as I, we work with a lot of different companies, right? The whole, every vertical, every industry, every size, from, you know, the very, very tiny to the biggest in the world. And we've sort of boiled it down to six models or six strategies that companies use in -hmm. order to manage their supply chain. And, you know, the first one is they do nothing. They just they they place the order out there and they just hope for the best.
0: <laughs> the, <laughs> and, fingers crossed model. Yeah, the
1: fingers crossed <laughs> model. The, I'm sure it will show up eventually model. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, you know, that, that that can work as long as you don't have a whole lot of restrictions on or urgency around time and getting the right thing at the right time. Um, the second is, but, but, but I mean, honestly, for companies that have a very limited product line um, that can't work.
0: Yeah, this works for uh, some folks. It's OK.
1: Yeah. Um, the second is, is, they, you know, they manage in-house and this is common, especially smaller companies mm-hmm. um, where they use their own people and their own processes. And and usually a lot of spreadsheets are homegrown solutions um, and that can work quite well for a period of time eventually though most companies outgrow that Mm it doesn't scale well Mm -hmm. and as a company grows and becomes more complex and vibrant uh you need better infrastructure to support your your ever-growing company in your your house right um and then the next one is one we've been talking about would they go for the software platforms or the SaaS technologies and It's still just technology that you have to link somehow back to your to the customer's internal technology, right? Um, So there's still IT work that's required within your organization, and you still need your own people to learn it and operate it,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right? Uh, So it can be a a very expensive, uh, difficult transition and model to maintain um, because you end up having to hire a bunch of people that do nothing but. Operate in that technology. Mm-hmm. It is carrier neutral, provider neutral. That's for sure. But um, it's also expensive.
0: And again, what benefit does being carrier neutral provide to a customer?
1: Well, you know, like I talked about earlier during the pandemic, they were they were frustrated. Customers, companies were frustrated that they were unable to get the capacity they needed, and they were tied to specific carriers. And they customers understandably want the ability to move from carrier to carrier as they need to, Mm -hmm. as the market dictates. Right.
0: And then for us as a forwarder, before we go on to the fourth one here, but as a forwarder, what is it like to work with these platforms?
1: Uh, It can be rather difficult to be honest, uh, simply because they tend to sell very standard connectivity. Um, that's what they market they market Mm -hmm. standard connectivity standard integration and then the reality is when it comes time to integrate on behalf of a specific customer it comes with uh very specific specs customized Mm uh integration specifications and so it's not a quick you know 30-day or less integration process some of them take upwards of two years to integrate. yeah yeah and those are incredibly expensive for all parties involved
0: yeah absolutely absolutely all right this is this fourth one uh moving on
1: uh the fourth one would be an, an outside neutral party or a control tower or 4pl model where someone else's people you know another uh, your the customer's chosen provider manages the process um this is the first model that like takes the customers people out of the process as well as the customer's technology And then the key question around here is incentives to perform. So usually the way that works is the customer hires a 4PL, which is really a a provider like an expediters or one of our peers. And um, they're awarded a certain percentage of the freight. And then they also manage... Um, all the other carriers or providers that were awarded the rest of the freight to make sure that the data is there and accurate and timely and clean. And um, so you're using your chosen 4PL's technology um, and that chosen 4PL's people to manage your processes. Um, and again, that the key question around this model is about incentives to perform and you know how much freight are you willing to award that 4PL to manage all the rest of the providers um and then the last one or i'm sorry not the last one the next one is a lead logistics provider let one of your dominant 3PL players manage all the others Um, and then the last one is a trusted partner, so you just outsource to one three PL and give them the responsibility and incentives to make it work with their people, their process, and their technology. And again, that one's also carrier neutral um, because if you if you partner with a an order management provider um, as that trusted partner, um, and then they can book with whatever carriers you choose mm-hmm. to contract with, but you're using that three PL's technology instead Mm. of an independent SaaS provider. So, you know, there's pros and cons to each of those models. And there are certainly companies where that SaaS platform um, financially and operationally makes sense. Um, I just don't think that that market is as big as many people believe it is. I think the percentage of customers where that that SaaS platform Um, is their silver bullet is is actually quite small
0: yeah but a lot of these tools had to have been around before the pandemic and now we have you know it's obviously these tools are popular to seek out so more offerings are out there have they improved upon anything over the last couple of years
1: In, in my opinion not really I think what changed after the pandemic was simply the number of customers who were so frustrated by the realities of trying to get space and move cargo during the pandemic that they just feel like something needs to change Mm
0: -hmm.
1: they weren't quite sure what it was but something needed to change the model one of their six models or strategies that they were using they felt wasn't serving them well and they needed to find a different solution when and some of that might be true maybe the model they were using didn't work well for their organization but The reality is is the market didn't work for anyone right (laughs) Right it was difficult for everyone sure sure regardless of the model you were using the Mm -hmm. strategy you were using um but there is a, a great desire to never have to live through anything like that again so if there's anything that they can do to ensure that they don't have to live through an experience like that again that's what customers are Are trying to achieve
0: yeah of course of course so when i hear you talk about people processes and technology i i get the sense there's a lot of fragility if one of the three is not done effectively what do you think strengthens the relationship between these three areas of people process and technology
1: i think probably the most critical decision a customer can make is to choose the right partner Uh, they need to find a provider in the industry that supports their goals uh, their supply chain goals, supports their program and the way that it's structured um, is strong in all of the geographies where they need a provider to be strong in. Mm-hmm. You know, they have their own. Do they do they have a strong global network? Not, I mean, not every customer imports or exports um, from multiple countries, right? Or even multiple geographies. But so, so they need to find a provider that is incredibly strong in their chosen geographies. Um, and there are different providers, you know, that have different areas of strengths and weaknesses around the globe. Sure. So I think the most critical decision a customer can make is to choose the right provider. One that has the people in the places where they need them. One that has the technology that supports their processes. Right, and that their processes are solid and sound, um, and able to scale. Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's what can strengthen the relationship between those three areas. Is you've got to make sure you've got a good match for your company and for your program,
0: and so, and for your goals and your vision too. Like what the road leading ahead or the road ahead too.
1: Exactly. You want a partner that is going to be able to scale with your program's growth.
0: Right. Right. Right.
1: For a long period of time.
0: When you share these six models with customers, what do you feel is a, uh, common realization or takeaway?
1: Well, when I share those models with customers, they almost always blurt out which one they are.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm a one. I'm (laughs) I'm a three. Yeah.
1: Um, (laughs) some of them, and there are many customers that say, Oh, we're a, we're a two and a three, or we're a, a, you know, a four and a five, Mm -hmm. Um, they might actually employ multiple models in different parts of their organization. Um, But their common realization or their common takeaway, the one I see most often Mm -hmm. is the customers really start to understand at a tactical level, how important it is to have people in all the places that they need the people to be. Mm -hmm. so they need their provider to have people at origin to help their shippers get a late gate get equipment help them with documentation issues help them be successful in servicing their joint customer because the supplier the shipper and the the partner the provider that the customer chooses have the same joint customer right it's that customer a destination um that h- made the decision to hire both of them and you need those two working together to be successful to support their shared customer so and following their business rules creating their documentation correctly and timely providing the information that the customer needs correctly and timely and in the tools that they expect it to be in and the technology they expect it to be in um, and if that connection isn't there then the programs the customer's program isn't successful.
0: So then what is the first conversation for customers to have internally with their teams uh, or within their organization to make a plan for themselves?
1: I believe they need to sit down and work with someone to map out their process flow. Mm -hmm. What does our supply chain look like? Who are all the players? What pieces of information do they all own? In what order are those pieces of information required to be provided? and how do we get visibility to all of it so that we can actually manage our supply chain and make it as resilient as we can possibly make it. With one map it all out, it becomes pretty clear where you can make improvements, where you can shore things up, where you can fill in gaps, what you're doing incredibly well, and then what are you gonna do with all that information? How do you continue to evolve your program and improve it time over time, you know, year over year over year? Mm-hmm and grow and scale with the complexities of your organization.
0: Well, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me today to to chat about this. And I look forward to having you on here again.
1: Thanks, Chris. It was great to catch up with you. I appreciate the
0: time. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you've got questions or want to learn more about today's topic, check out the show notes for more information. And before you go, make sure you're subscribed on whatever podcast app you're using so you won't miss the next episode. To learn more about Expeditors, you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or simply visit us at expeditors.com. Take care, and I'll see you next time.